Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, in this episode, Stefan is joined by special guest and total badass, Jen Kim. Here's a glimpse of the powerful insights you're about to discover. The five things new and experienced entrepreneurs need in order to successfully scale their business, the transformative pillar that most eight-figure entrepreneurs struggle to grasp. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy. What, this is gonna be, I guess, kind of maybe a vague question, but what makes a great brand, right? What are, what are the, the pillars or, or cornerstones of a great brand, like uh, as far as you see it? Mm-hmm. Well, of course I have a framework around it, um, but, and I'm writing my, my first book on what I call the master brand method, and it's coming out early next year. So I'm super excited about that. Um, so there are five pillars that make what I call a brand, a master brand, right? Um, And that is archetypes, audience, aesthetics, activation, and amplification. So if I can just go a little bit under that and what makes a brand, a great brand is looking and filtering their strategy through these these pillars is, is really what it is. So the archetypes sounds kind of woo or whatever, but obviously, again, you're copywriting and marketing pro, Stefan, one of the best in the game. And so you know that basically marketing is the science of human buying behavior, right? It's it's really psychology. And, and so the archetypes part of the pillar is based on Carl Jung's philosophy on how we as humans behave and, and, and um, react and respond to symbology, to um, characters, to personas that influence and motivate us to make decisions. And so I have this entire archetype assessment that I developed. Um, I don't know if you know this, but my first job was as a junior copywriter at Ogilvy back in the day. Yeah, my first job out of college. I worked in Ogilvy, San Francisco, and I kind of alluded to that when I said I got really good advice early in my career. So what it was, was this woman, Maria, was the general manager of Ogilvy's office. And she was like 33, I was 22, and I thought she was so freaking cool. I was like, she had two young kids. When her husband used to come to lunch at break time, she seemed to like him a lot. And I was like, and she was so smart. And I was like, I wanna have her job in 10 years. So I asked her, if I wanna be you in 10 years, what do I have to do? And she told me this, this is gonna get back to archetypes, I promise, but she told me this. She goes, if you wanna be the best in your craft, but you also want to get paid more and you want to elevate, take all the projects no one wants. Mm. She was like, take every project, every initiative and volunteer to be the lead on it. And I was like, am I not going to become a doormat if I do that? She goes, no. She goes, you're going to, people are going to be so happy that you took it on. And then when you're doing it, go all in, 
and show how smart you are, do your thing. And so at an early age in the world um, and in copywriting, which is the heart of all marketing, really, like copy moves the world, right? Um, the, the, she gave me such great advice to how I ascended the corporate ladder so fast. And I still take that advice now, you know, it, it's really one of the, the things I do, but it's where I learned about archetypes too, is my point. You know, we had the Coca-Cola account, which obviously is like multi-billion dollar brand. One of the big, actually Coca-Cola of all the brands in the world has the highest brand equity globally because you can put sugar anywhere in the world. Okay. You may not get a Wi-Fi connection, in Tibet or whatever, or in Timbuktu, but you can get sugar there. Okay. So anyway, back then, this was the early nineties. I know I'm aging myself now, but this was the early nineties and we had the billion, we had a billion dollar marketing budget for Coca-Cola's advertising, a billion dollar fucking budget. And that was so big for me. Like, you know, again, like this young, I didn't know who I wanted to be yet. I was a business major. I thought I was going to be an attorney that didn't happen. And then, so I accidentally got this job at Ogilvy. And I didn't know if I wanted to be a copywriter, but I was like really junior copywriter stuff. And really we're like running coffee for this, the, the big copywriters and the, and the account execs. Right. But so I got to sit in those rooms when they would battle basically. And it like a copy and marketing strategy battle in an ad agency is fucking sexy. Okay. It's like pitting Pepsi against Coca-Cola, you know, and, and they started talking about archetypes that, you know, Coca-Cola was a muse archetype and Pepsi was a ruler archetype and how could Coca-Cola continue to maintain dominance even though Pepsi was a ruler brand. Now, you guys might all be listening going, what the hell is she talking about? Um, basically archetypes are again, this model that Carl Jung made up. He wasn't a brand strategist or a business guy. He was talking about human behavior, but brand strategists use archetypes to determine the persona of the brand, right? So in this case, Pepsi being a ruler brand, ruler brands are all about being like the leader. They have a lot of swagger. Um, they are like seen as the CEO types um, and definitely celebrity kind of brands, right? So American Express, Mercedes Benz, Donald Trump, these are ruler brands, okay? Very like glitzy, glamoury. Pepsi kind of at the time and still does. That's the time when they were hiring Cindy Crawford and like Britney Spears and Michael Jackson to do all their that's how they were selling Pepsi to try to like eat some of the market that Coca-Cola dominate. Now Coca-Cola on the other hand is a muse archetype. Now brands that are muse archetypes, you would think that they're soft because muse archetypes are about childlike wonder. Okay. Um, but they use their archetype very advantageously um, and always have. I don't know if you know this stuff and you probably do again, but I don't know, but you know, Coca-Cola invented Santa Claus. Do you guys all know that? They actually created the persona of Santa Claus because Santa Claus is the most nostalgic character in the Western world. They needed, so they adapted the story of St. Nicholas and they were the first to create an, an actual advertisement that had this fat white man with a red and white suit at Christmas. So they basically brand jacked, I call it Jesus, because they were like, <laughs> well, let's create a character that we're gonna affiliate with our brand. And so also like the polar bears, you know, um, if you know the Coca-Cola advertising and that polar bear campaign, I was a part of that back in the early nineties. Wow. Yeah. And, um, it was like polar bears are going extinct and they're sweet and the little baby polar bears are so cute. But I don't know if you guys all know this, but polar bears are the most vicious of all fucking bears. They will hunt humans who are taking pictures of them. So it's pretty funny, right? That 
But why did they choose polar bears? Because they're white and they can put a red scarf on their neck and it would look like a Coca-Cola can. It's all strategy, right? They dominate. Why does Coca-Cola dominate even over Pepsi? Because they do their archetype better than Pepsi does, right? And so that's archetypes. I wanted to give some examples. Okay, so I've infused that same model into the way that I strategize with our clients, whether they are business, small business owners, or now, you know, I work with the bigger companies too, still to do their strategic planning and their launch strategy for the upcoming three, four years. We use the same stuff because it's all the same, right? Um, second is audience. I think that's pretty obvious. Who's your avatar? Who's Where's the market, you know, that you're hitting? And what is the language that you're speaking? Are you speaking the same dialect as them? And if not, are you teaching them how to speak your dialect, right? And so a great brand has a common language with their audience. Um, that's through their stories. That's through their product naming. That's through um, their copywriting ability, really, you know, the way to reach them both the, on all the sensory levels. So that audience is the second pillar. Third pillar is aesthetics. Now, a lot of people think of building a brand as the logo, the website, the, you know, all the assets, visual assets of the brand. That is not as potent if you don't, I say that the archetypes plus the audience are the two sides of the coin that pay you. So aesthetics should be derived from what the archetype of the brand is and the audience is, like the marriage between them and that they're in a functional relationship and that determines your, your visual build. I get this question a lot, so I'm gonna answer it around, well, does that mean like I shouldn't create a logo when I start my business or whatever? I'm like, no, create a logo, but just don't be married to it. Don't be attached because it's going to change. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys saw Apple's first logo, but it was horrible. Like it's literally freaking Sir Isaac Newton under a freaking tree. It's like a hand-drawn logo. And he has like apple tree over his head. And I can't believe Steve Jobs approved that thing, but it showed that he did not have cute taste in the beginning. Okay. And that he evolved. So Starbucks has changed their logo multiple times. So they've done it based on the market and who they have become culturally and, 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 and all of that. So aesthetics is the third pillar. Fourth pillar is activation, AKA marketing. How do you market the brand? Because marketing creates branding, right? Marketing creates a brand. It lets people know how they can be helped by the product, the service, the offer, right? So activation is basically the go-to market strategy for a brand. And that's their way of constantly activating their brand in the marketplace. And then finally, amplification is how they really establish their leadership, both in the team. So act, amplification is like scaling. So how does a company go from you know a local market to a regional market to a national market to a global market? Amplification is part of that process. You know, what platforms, what partnerships, what type of team, what kind of leadership do you need to move the brand forward. And so these are the five pillars that we work with our clients to, to work out so that they can have a bigger and better strategy and create not just a brand, but a master brand. So awesome. And so when a brand comes to you, well, that was amazing. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I can't wait to watch the, the replay and, and just, I got to digest. It was a lot, but in a good way. Sorry. I'm like word vomiting. I no, want to no, make no, sure. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, as a word vomiter myself, I'm, I might appreciate it, but I don't think you word vomited. It was, it was super valuable. Um, yeah, I guess I would guess that different brands are at different stages and phases in their journey. And so, you know, their focus would be on different parts of this sort of framework, right? Like, yeah. um, is there a certain like places where you just sort of see, I guess let's, let's look at for my audience, which is like, you know, there's 
freelancers and then it's a lot of um businesses that are doing seven to like mid eight figures right mm -hmm. that's a big range but so let's say a business is doing like 10 to 20 million let's use that as an example for a business like that like a year is there a common out is there like one place or certain places where you tend to see them struggling the most is it sort yeah. of like and what oh what is that place that's it's in the fifth it's in the fifth pillar so let me just name them again because i see in the chat people want to know the pillar so it's archetypes audience aesthetics activation and amplification so once you hit i say like the problems that or the challenges at eight figures are really in the amplification pillar right because you've done all the work to prove you know that your brand is useful that it's helped people it's obviously got the receipts or the money to back it up the company has made revenue significant revenue right and and so if you're an eight-figure company your biggest gap is amplification and probably tuning up your activation method so more platforms for example so activation is marketing remember so it could be like for example with copy accelerator you know, you and Justin have really snapped in a powerful um, platform, which is live events to serve your clients, right? And that's an actual, you guys added that to already what you were doing through your individual pursuits, as well as your collaborative pursuits, through your email marketing, through your consulting services, you know, all those types of things. And you decided to do that. You also decided to um, do an incredible show like this, Road to a Billion, and have these great conversations, which is basically a podcast, also a video cast. That's another activation point you added into the mix now that you're an eight-figure company, right, to expand the message, let people know and signal to the market, hey, we're having bigger conversations here, elevated conversations here, right? Um, you've created uh you have now a pr uh you've, you've invested in pr public relations that's a big amplification strategy right of you know how do you amplify both the personal brand of the leader because there's three types of brands there's a personal brand a company brand and an offer brand okay so your offer is copy accelerator the mastermind stefan george i is the personal brand right and then the company brand is the copy accelerator company and then you have multiple companies right i know that too stefan so it's like being able to decide in the activation part of it what's like activation 2.0 for this company now like what type of marketing things are we going to invest in that will bring us to the next level because you've already mastered email marketing you've mastered um customer conversion for to get you to this point now what are those injection points that's what activation is about and then amplification is working on the leader working on stefan you know that steep like working on the, the steve jobs of copy excel you know copy that's you you know it's like how do i work on him and what type of team and systems do i need to implement around me to scale this thing to the vision i have all right that's just about it for today before we finish though let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com 
forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is Georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.